Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. I'm going to begin this morning with a scene from a movie. If you would raise your hand if you have seen Batman Begins. It's the first movie in the Christopher Nolan uh, Batman series. It's also the first um, Batman movie in which Christian Bale plays Batman. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of context for this scene, whether or not you have seen uh, this this movie. So, as you probably know, uh, Bruce Wayne is the main character, and early on in this movie, uh, we get a flashback to uh, a moment in Bruce Wayne's childhood. He's he's playing on his family's property, and uh, during that process, he ends up falling into a well. And not only, he falls all the way to the bottom of that well, and there, when he is at the bottom, out of this hole in the very bottom of the well, a colony of bats. Did you know that that's what a group of bats is called? I I did not. I looked it up. The colony of bats. There you go. Colony of bats comes flying out of that hole, one after another. Can you imagine how fearful this moment must be? The bristly hair of the bats, their their wings scratching your face as, as Bruce just lays there and the screeching and screeching and screeching. Dozens after dozens of bats fly past him, trap him on the bottom of this well. Once all the bats have flown out, Bruce's father um, comes and rescues him from the well, pulls him back up to safety. Fast forward in the movie, fast forward in Bruce's life, he, uh, he grows up, becomes an adult, and he leaves his hometown of Gotham. He goes and he hangs out with Liam Neeson in the mountains and becomes a superhero, which is just the natural result of quality time with Liam Neeson, apparently. He comes back to Gotham, back to his family's property, and back to this well to confront that fearful moment from his past. He repels down into the bottom of the well and then crawls into that hole out of which the bats had flown. Crawls a little bit down that way and finds himself in a cave. And that is where our scene picks up for this morning.
when I think about what it means to confront a fear. The images of this scene come to my mind. Of Bruce Wayne first crouched, and then standing up, tall, amongst all of those bats, amongst his fear. You see, Bruce Wayne chooses not to avoid his fear, not to cower before it, but instead to confront it, to meet it head on. Similarly, I want us to confront a fear this morning. I don't want us to cower before it, but to stand up tall amongst it. If you are a guest with us this morning, uh, my name is Michael Waldrop. I am the uh, student minister here at the Round Rock Church of Christ. And if you are a guest, I just want to say thank you for being here with us. Thank you for trusting us with your Sunday morning. Uh, I'm filling in today for our interim preaching minister, Tim Curtis. Uh, Tim has been in the middle of a series on repentance called Alignment, and he will pick that series up again next week. Uh, but for this uh, for today, uh, like I just said, I, I want to turn our attention to a different topic. And again, I want us to confront a fear. James chapter 4 uh, speaks to this fear. So if you have a Bible, uh, I invite you to turn to James chapter 4. James uh, is uh, in the New Testament. It's very near the end of the Bible, uh, very, very close to the back. It is after the book of Hebrews and right before uh, the books 1st and 2nd Peter. Now, the, the author of this book, James, uh, he was an early, uh, well, a leader in the early church and, in fact, was Jesus' own brother. Now, the verses that I want us to look at in James 4 are, are verses 13 through 15. Leading up to these verses, James has been talking about... Um, James has been talking about uh, different types of sin or unwise behavior that he wants to warn his audience against, and, um, and that, that leads up to our verses. Uh, one second. We might, we're controlling the slides, but uh, we're having a little trouble with that. Guys, would y'all mind advancing for me? Is that possible? Will it advance to the next slide? Hey, there it is. Okay, here we go. James writes this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Next verse. Uh, yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Then on to verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. The fear that I want us to confront this morning is the fear of death. James reminds us that we are not entitled to tomorrow. James reminds us that we are not entitled to tomorrow. James tells us, look, some of you assume that you know what tomorrow is going to bring. 
You, you assume that your time and uh, your ability to make money and what you do uh, with your business, you assume that all of that is under control. But in fact, you are not even guaranteed tomorrow. God does not owe it to you. I imagine that most of us can um, call to mind stories of, of sudden deaths of one form or another. In fact, you might even have memories of phone calls received or, or email messages read when you found out about someone who died unexpectedly and often much too young. I know I have these memories. I can remember where I was when I found out that Alan Heath and Caleb Curley and Jim Brinkerhoff had passed away all of a sudden. James reminds us that even if, even if we get tomorrow, there will come a day when we do not get tomorrow. He says in, in verse 14, you guys, if y'all, you can just advance a couple more slides. Actually, one more, if you would. Thank you. Uh, he says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Y'all can advance it a couple more slides to the, to the back, uh, normal background. Thank you. In short, James reminds us that we are going to die. In short, James reminds us that we are going to die. And it is this truth that I want us to confront this morning. It is this truth that I do not want us to avoid or cower before, but instead to, to stand up and face and look death in the eyes. Just as Bruce Wayne did, to not cower, but to confront. Now, you might be wondering why I want to do this. Does it sound super fun? There are surely more fun things that we could do on our Sunday morning, right? My point here is not to push any of us over the edge of anxiety, or, or over the edge of fear. My point is not for us to like, in any sort of unhealthy way, obsess over death. No, no, no. My point is, is simply this. My point is for us to face what is inevitable and to be as prepared as we can be for that inevitability, right? And, and I will say there, there's no time to be wasted in this. Again, we are not promised tomorrow. I don't, I don't know if this is true for you, but very often, if, if not always, when I find myself, when I, when I reflect on death, I find this thought, this whisper coming into my brain that says, Michael, Michael, just, you've got plenty of time. Just think about that when you're older. I remember having that thought when I was nine years old, 29, here's older. <laughs> and as, again, as James tells us, we may not get Older, whatever, whatever that means. Uh, if we are not careful, we can put off reflecting on death until death is upon us. I, I don't want the first time that we have confronted death to be the day that we get a cancer diagnosis. Or the day that our car flips over four times. Or the day that we have a stroke or a heart attack. If this past year has taught us anything, it is that 
our health, our normal is not guaranteed. So, let's not put it off. But before we really we dig in further this morning, I just, I just need to quickly acknowledge something. And, and that is this, that I am by no means no expert on death. If, if anything, I am a fearful novice in this topic. I am preaching this sermon as much to myself as I'm preaching it to anyone else. And in fact, so many of you could preach this sermon so much better than I ever could. I've heard you preach it with your, with your lips and, and with your life. So, let's confront this truth, shall we? I am going to die. I am going to die. And you are going to die. Every person and every animal that you know is going to die. There will be a day when this heart of mine beats no more. When this mouth speaks no more words. I would like you to just sit with that phrase for a few moments. I am going to die. I am going to die. And you sit with that phrase long enough to let it prick fear in you. Can you feel the truth of that phrase, as opposed to just thinking about it on an intellectual level, you know, keeping this distance between, between you and, and, and the feeling of it. Can you feel about your death, not just think about your death? I would, I would say you, this, though, you, you don't have to run from that fear. You don't have to be overwhelmed by it. We don't have to cower before it. It need not overwhelm us. Here's the thing. I am convinced that confronting the truth that we will die is, ironically, life-giving. I am convinced that confronting the truth that we will die is, ironically, life-giving. And I believe that this is true in, in so many different ways. By confronting this, this truth, it, it, it produces priority. It clarifies what is most important in our lives. It produces urgency. It, it, in fact, generates bravery in us. And, and I would also say it, it enables us to better follow Jesus into God's transformative, but let's be honest, dangerous and life-threatening mission. I think confronting the truth that we will die does all of these things for us. And frankly, I would, I would love to preach a sermon on, on each and every one of those things. But my primary focus this morning is this. And y'all, you can advance to the next slide. Confronting the truth that we will die produces gratitude. Confronting the truth that we will die produces gratitude. Y'all can go ahead and go back to that. Thank you. Confronting the truth that we will die produces gratitude. 
Because any time that we have anything and we recognize that that thing is not unlimited, we're more grateful for it, right? Any time that we're really able to, to acknowledge, oh, the time that I have is limited, we're able to be more grateful for that time. And con- connected to this, one of the greatest enemies of gratitude is entitlement. One of the greatest enemies of gratitude is entitlement. And so I said this above, but let me say this again. We are not entitled to tomorrow. God does not owe us more time. And, and I think this is a critical implication of this. Not only does God not owe us more time, but God does not owe us, and we are not entitled to any of the things that we associate with more time. What, what do we associate with more time? Getting married? Having children? Having grandchildren? Starting a new career or, or getting a degree? Traveling to London or Israel or Patagonia? Getting to live in a different house or a different city? Maybe it's a new movie or a new video game or a concert. Maybe it's getting to see your extended family at Christmas. Maybe it's getting to finally see Texas football win a Big 12 championship. Let's be honest, none of us has enough time for that. Who knows? Who knows when that will happen? Whatever we may associate with more time, we are not entitled to it. And on the heels of that, I can't help but ask these questions. Are there any of those things that we are waiting on to live? Like like we would say, oh, my life will really begin when I have fill in the blank, or when I've done X, or I'll I'll really be joyful. Lord, I'll finally embrace joy if I can just have X. We are not entitled to tomorrow, but we have today. Amen. We have today. We have what is present right now. And I have to ask, can can we be grateful for it? Can we recognize the abundance that is all around us? Can we thank God for the grace upon grace in which we live and move and have our very being? If you didn't already notice, this is kind of a heavy sermon. So, it's time that I told the joke. I stole this joke, I will admit. Uh, This is not my own. Uh, I stole it from uh, the comedian Jim Gaffigan. Uh, If you know Jim, yes, we are on a first name basis. Uh, If you know Jimmy G, you know that he likes to talk about food. Uh, And in one of his comedy routines, he talks about McDonald's fries. Now, Whatever you think about McDonald's like as a whole, I feel like there's a pretty good consensus that like McDonald's fries are like a pretty amazing thing. Uh, thank you. Yes, agreed. Uh, if you disagree with that, just play along. Okay, just pretend that you do, right? So there, there's always that moment though, like when you're, when you're eating McDonald's fries, you're just going along, you're loving it. See what I did there? You're just, you're loving it. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, What happened? We 
And, and you like start scrounging in the box for crumbs, and you're like, oh, there's another Just the paper from the straw. It's always the paper from the straw. It gets me. And no matter like what else is left in the bag, like no matter what else is in the bag, like if you got a hamburger in there or chicken nuggets or like if you're healthy, like a wrap, you know, no matter what's in there, you're probably not as excited about it as the fries, right? But nonetheless, you with a little less excitement and a great deal of resignation go to pull your hamburger out of the bag and <gasps> there is a bonus fry. There is a bonus fry. And I don't, I don't know about you, but in those moments, I kind of feel like God is like, Michael, look, you've had a hard day. Have a bonus fry. Have, have one more fry on me, Michael. Y'all, I, I want to suggest that we treat each and every new day of life like a bonus fry. Almost like a surprise and certainly as a gift that we were not entitled to. A gift that we did not presume that we were going to receive. But when we find it at the bottom of the bag, we just go, Lord, thank you. You didn't have to give me this day. But you did. And I'm thankful for it. I want to share one more image of what this gratitude that flows out of confronting our mortality uh, looks like. And um, it comes from a show. It comes from uh, the HBO miniseries, John Adams. Uh, by the way, this is a complete aside and a complete inside joke. But for all you Hamilton fans, anytime that I like, read John Adams' name now, I just hear King George saying, John Adams? Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, anyway, I've now ruined the name for you for forevermore. Okay, uh, so uh, in this clip, John Adams is out on a walk with uh, one of his sons, and uh, it's getting late in the day, as it is late in John Adams' life. In fact, his wife, Abigail, uh, has already passed away. The last thing I'll, I'll mention before we watch this is that uh, I included the subtitles because it's a little hard to hear, and John kind of talks sort of mumbly, um, but they're, they're the YouTube-generated subtitles. And so there's like a couple moments where the subtitles don't exactly match what John is saying. And at first I was like, I, I can't use the wrong subtitles. That's unprofessional. But then I was like, no, this is just a bonus fry. The humor of the wrong subtitles are a bonus fry. So uh, all that say, don't be surprised when the subtitles somewhat anachronistically Record John Adams is saying, right choice Elmo. Just be looking for it. Okay, let's watch this. It's getting late, Father. Let's go inside. Come here, come here. I have seen a queen of France with 18 million levers of diamonds on her person. But I declare that all the charms of her face and figure added to all the glitter of her jewels did not impress me as much as that little shrub. 
right there. My mother always said that I never delighted enough in the mundane. But now I find if I look at even the smallest thing, my imagination begins to roam the Milky Way. Rejoice evermore. What's that, Father? Rejoice evermore. Well, it's a phrase from St. Paul, you fool. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore! <laughs> oh, I wish that had always been in my heart, not my tongue. Did you hear his last line? Oh, I wish that had always been in my heart and on my tongue. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. As he mentions, he is quoting Paul. Specifically, he's quoting 1 Thessalonians 5.16, which in the NIV translation you might be more familiar with, says rejoice always. And then he goes on to say, pray continually. And here's the gratitude piece, right? Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thanks, guys. Gratitude and joy are joined at the hip. My life experience has taught me this. Scripture, this passage, and so many others like it, speaks to this. Even, even social science research speaks to this. I'm, I'm in the middle of reading the book Daring Greatly by the University of Houston social work professor Brene Brown. And her research just points to this again and again and again. If you want to be joyful, practice gratitude. If you want to be joyful, practice gratitude. Our ability to be grateful enables our ability to be joyful. Our ability to be grateful enables our ability to be joyful. And remembering that we are mortal, that we are going to die, encourages our ability to be grateful. It encourages us to be grateful for the extraordinary things in life and for the most ordinary things in life. Like YouTube-generated subtitles, or a mundane shrub in the field, or McDonald's french fries. It encourages us to be grateful for sunroofs and an A minor chord played on a guitar or a toddler named Avery shuffling past your, your office and making the most adorable noises in the world as she learns how to speak. It encourages us to be grateful for the color orange and your neighbor's cat and water slides and getting to hug your grandmother for outdated Church of Christ architecture and the cool feeling of a metal, what is this, music stand? It encourages us to be grateful for so many things, right? Like getting to be together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Getting to sing together, even if it's through a stupid mask. 
Gosh, how much I missed that during virtual worship. Do we rejoice over these things? Do we rejoice over these things? Do we fall down in gratitude and praise to God for these things? The more that we recognize that our days are numbered, the more we will rejoice in these things, the more we will be grateful for them. Confronting the truth that we will die produces gratitude. As I bring this to a close, I just want to recommend that you look for some way to incorporate into your daily or weekly rhythms the truth that you will die. Can you, can you incorporate into your rhythm some, some way of confronting that truth? Maybe you make it part of your, uh, your weekly just kind of prayer routine, right? Just like one time a week, you set aside time for that. Or maybe you pick an object in your house that reminds you that you are mortal. It could be a penny, it could be a picture, it, it doesn't matter. Or maybe you do something else entirely, get creative with it. But whatever it is, I think that you will find that confronting your death only gives you more life. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for today. Would you help us not live for tomorrow, but live for today? For today is all we've got, and today is all we will ever have. God, thank you for giving us the hope of resurrection. Thank you for overcoming death through your son's crucifixion and resurrection so that we need not cower before death. God, you empower us to confront death and not be controlled by it. And so, God, would you help us not avoid our mortality? Would you grow in us an awareness of the mortality of these incredible bodies you have given us? And through that awareness, would you grow in us a gratitude for what is right before us? a gratitude that wells up in praise to you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all honor and all glory is yours, now and forever. Amen.